Welcome to episode 107 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, I'm just going to pretend I have energy. I'm, just gonna yeah. pre- I'm gonna pretend it's, so it's, hard it's right now. It's been a while since we've done <laughs> a double episode like this. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's been like, I guess like three months. Mm-hmm. Cause we, yeah, we had 12 weeks. No, more than that. We had a long period of Titans there. Mm-hmm. Learned that mistake. And then we did uh, a long string of nonsense episodes just to, to keep you all on your toes. Just, just to keep you guessing. But yeah. uh, we're, we're back in full force, double Batman Beyond this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, unrelated to any of those things, though, I had an incredible realization today. What? So in the movie The Incredibles, coincidentally. Yes. One, two. One. One. What is the name of the island that the base is on? Don't know. It's no. It's No Manasan Island. No Man's Island. No Man's, no man's a, Land. No Man's. No. No Man is an island. Oh, that's right? good. I was good on you, Brad Bird. I was listening to actually the Inside Out score, and for some reason, one of the the song titles was like No Manasan Island. I was like, oh, that's like The Incredibles. <gasps> oh my god, it has deeper meaning. I wow. never caught that. And like, what? 13 years? Yeah, that's why it's our, or no, longer than that, 15 years now. 2003. Yeah. yeah. No, mm-hmm. five. Five. Five? Incredibles oh, was five. 2005. Uh, Finding Nemo was 2003. Yeah. So then it was 2004. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's 2005. It is 2004. Damn it! Ha ha. Yeah, because they there's a Pixar movie every year. 2001 was Monsters, Inc. 2002 oh. was blank. 2003 was... And there's one every Nemo. year. <laughs> 2003 was Finding Nemo. 2004 was Incredibles. 2005... It's cars. Yes. Because they played the Cars trailer during The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. And then you started the, the peak of Pixar. Because then you had uh, Ratatouille up Wally. Wally up. That's not the right order. Yeah. Well, no. What was 2006 then? Because... Ratatouille was 2007. Yeah. I'm going to slightly redact my statement that says there's one every year. <laughs> I mean, I could edit this so that you nope. sound like you're correct, but I refuse. Uh, yeah, Mon Inc., Find Nemo. Yeah, one, three, four. Cars was 2006. Ratatouille, seven. Well, Wally. was 2005. Nothing. Nothing. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cars, Ratatouille, Wally up. Three, Cars, two, Brave, Mon Yu, Inside Out. Okay, yeah, we got Dino. it. We got it. We got it. Dory, Cars, uh, Coco, and Crips. Okay. Yeah, can we just acknowledge how great Michael Giacchino is? I mean, Brad Burt is also pretty good. He is. He you'll, Since yes. he, he named that, I don't yes. think Giacchino named it. Uh, actually, okay, hang on. I realize this is more apropos than I thought it was going to be because one of my news items is in fact about the combination, the powerhouse combination that is Brad Bird and Michael Giacchino. What's going on? How? Do, okay, I don't know how you missed this because this is the most up your alley possible. Brad Bird is teaming with Michael Giacchino to do a live action animation musical movie. An original movie. Do we know what it's about? Um, no, we don't really know much about it other than uh, Giacchino is going to also work on the music. I don't know if that means he's going to actually write the songs or just do the, the score or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's going to be like a live action musical and about 20 minutes of it will be animated. Awesome. So kind, right? of, so kind of Mary Poppins-esque. Yeah, a little bit like Mary Poppins. Does that not sound amazing? I'm, I don't even I'm know what it's so about. Down. Yeah. But I mean, I'm always behind anything that Brad Bird does. Uh, even Tomorrowland. Even Tomorrowland. That I is, will stand by That it. is the hill you shall die on. Yes. 
it's fine. Yeah, I usually duck and hide behind things while I'm on the hill, so <laughs> no one can really see me up there. But I, I'm still there. You're the you're that casual voice that people can just hear over the hill. Tomorrowland's okay. It's not that bad. It's guys. not that bad. It's not that bad. What I, was that? Was it the wind? <laughs> no, it's not that bad. Yeah, it just was you know not great. It, it was overhyped. It was it was overhyped under, and underwhelming and uh, yeah, the marketing on it was not particularly good. But th- does mm-hmm. that movie not sound awesome? Whatever yeah. it is, I'm super excited about it. Because I mean, let's be honest. Like that's, I think that's like the only miss Brad Bird has had. Yeah, and even then, it's not a hard miss. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's not a. Eh, I don't, don't want to throw anyone else under the bus right now. I mean, his other wins are such wins that you should be able to overlook a misstep. I think most people just forget. Yes. That yeah, movie. I, think that all, yeah. I think that's also the big thing is most people forget Tomorrowland just exists. Just forget it ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's very much consistently good across the board. I mean, so he's only Wasn't done... was Mendelssohn the villain in that, as always? Uh, no, it was Hugh Laurie. That's right. This okay. is before Mendo really came onto the scene. Came, became the villain. Yeah. Um, but I think, what, he's done two live-action movies. The first was Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, mm-hmm. and then there was Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he's had hits for both of them. It's yeah. a lot of work. And actually, speaking of Mission Impossible... Oh, yeah. Just saw this news today, like, just right now, before we started recording, that Christopher McCorry has signed on to do two sequels to Mission Impossible... Fallout. They they really hoping Tom Cruise just doesn't die anytime it's, soon. Yeah, I mean, I, what was I think the first one's coming out in twenty twenty one and then twenty twenty two. So I guess they're gonna. Oh, do, they're just filming a back to back. Yeah, so I guess they're gonna do like a back to back thing. Which I mean, I guess Rogue Nation and Fallout were the first real proper sequels to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, because. I've kind of told people, like, Fallout's amazing, but it really does help if you've seen, especially Rogue Nation, just yeah. because something the characters carry through and something the plot points do. Um, but, I mean, he's the, both those movies have been excellent. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, peop, I mean, Rogue Nation is still amazing. Yeah. That, that's a, it's a series that doesn't really fail. Two. It's a series that sometimes missteps. It is. It is a series much not, like Brad Bird. <laughs> much like Brad Bird. We just tend to ignore that one really bad one. As the great Kelly Clarkson once said, yes. what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Exactly. And that is why Tom Cruise is still alive. <laughs> Somehow. Mysteriously still alive. Um, I mean, I get, I, I don't know how I feel. Much like a Horcrux. <laughs> what doesn't kill Wait you makes you stronger. Does he have Horcruxes? He must. But I don't think he has seven, though, because he still looks mostly human. Well, it's one for every Mission Impossible. He makes one for every Mission Impossible. Oh, dear God. Yeah. So, wait, wait, hang on. That means that he's due for his seventh one. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, and there will be a child. <laughs> but there will be two childs, actually. Oh, yes. The cursed Also child. called children. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Have you seen those two childs over there? <laughs> so many childs. Yes. Um, lead childs. Number one, he's the writer of Jack Reacher. Also, gotcha. Tom Cruise thing. I'm doing so many accidental segues here. You, we, it you, has nothing to do with the fact that I'm fucking uh, exhausted. We need to pull out the fucking Cine, Cineflix. Oh game yeah, I'm on a roll right now. I people, got this. For people who who don't know Cineflix, it's how it's when Chris and I became really good friends. Uh, it's a card game. If you're a movie buff or think you're a movie buff, mm-hmm. I recommend getting this game because it will ruin your confidence if you're a fake movie buff like I am. Yeah. Uh, but it's a it's a card game similarly set up to dominoes. You get a hand of cards that have uh, actors' names, movie titles, and directors. And you put one card down. So say I put down Sam Jackson. 
then Chris's turn, uh, he can connect that card to one of his cards if he has like Pulp Fiction or Tarantino or George Lucas or anything that Jackson has been in or has been directed by. And then you kind of fan out from there. Yeah, it's super fun. But you mm-hmm. actually do have to know your shit. Yes. Um, it helps if you can also name like directors or writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, directors were cards. I don't think writers were. No, it, it was just directors, actors, and um, yeah. movie titles. Uh, it helps if you're a walking IMDb. Yes. And it also helps if you get like an ensemble card. Like, that, if, yeah. you get, if you get that at the start, the game is so much easier. Like, also, you, have a big table. Yeah, we or, or we on the floor. We took up the entire. I've I have a decent. I have a normal size dinner yeah. table that we played on. We covered the entire table. I think we ended up playing like two hundred, not two hundred, like one hundred and eighty cards. Yeah, because I think at a certain point we stopped going by the rules and we were just like, every time we draw a card, we put it down. There's yeah. a, there's actual rule structure that we basically just ignored for the mm-hmm. sake of fun. Um, it's a damn good game though. It's a very fun game. Play it again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Let me rephrase that. We should get a group of people together to watch as I play it by myself. Yeah. There, there you go. we go. Um, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for both those movies. I guess I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant just because if they're going to be back to back, that implies that there might be kind of a bridging story. And I think these do kind of work better as standalone films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you run the risk of getting bogged down in mythology, like kind of the Daniel Craig Bond movies have done. Um, and also Mission Impossible up until Fallout was known for having a new director every time that be, kind of became its hallmark. Yeah. So every film felt distinct. And so when McQuarrie approached Fallout, he's like, okay, I'm going to approach this like a different director. He brought in like a different DP, different um, like editors, like a whole different team around him and, you know, shot different lenses and went from a different angle. That's kind of hard to continue doing that two more times. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, it's going to start to feel well-trod, but also the two of them make good movies together. Well, I, so. I, I feel like it is the impact of the Daniel Craig era. Mm-hmm. where they see how successful that is with a single, you know, that was another franchise where everyone did it differently. Now they see a single Bond carrying over for so long. I don't know. If, is, is it the same director? No. I don't know why I'm trying to talk Bond no, no, to you. No, yeah, I know, right? No, no. Martin Campbell did Casino Royale. Okay. And he had also directed GoldenEye, so he kind of became the guy you go to to restart the franchise, mm-hmm. in this case also reboot it. And he's actually said he would come back again, but only if he got to do a new Bond. Okay. But that's kind of the, what he likes to do is kind of that's, start That's a fresh. cool kind of like title to have. Yeah. Well, and also like Casino Royale. I give Bond life. He does. Like Casino Royale, many people consider it the best Bond film. Yep. Goldeneye, the hairstyling does not hold up, but the rest of it mostly does. Um, and then after that, it was Mark Forrester, who was the first uh, kind of indie director to come in. He had done like The Kite Runner before that. Um, you mean a movie for The Kite Runner? Yeah. I read that book. I had to read it for college. Like, oh, I read for high school. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes sense because you're younger than me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, I mean, a book made in like the 70s. Why did that matter? No. When no. Was the guy no, it came out in, I mean, it, I think the book came out in probably like 2005, maybe. I mean, I read it the summer of 2007 going into college. 2003. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and then that was a different director, but that was Quantum of Solace and did great. And then it was Sam Mendes who came in and did Skyfall and knocked it out of the park. They brought him back and then he made all the terrible decisions that were Spectre. Um, and now we're getting Kerry Fukunaga. I'm so excited. But we're not here to talk about James Bond. Not here Bond. to talk about Bond. We're not here That's to talk about James podcast. Bond. We, uh, wait, can I, wait, can I find a clunky segue? Well, no. I, I have one piece of news. How dare you? Okay, go yeah. ahead. Uh, it's, I thought it was just for LA folk, but I found out it, it's all across the US. Uh, we, we had a conversation yesterday about, about incredible trilogies. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're about to get oh, the third part right. 
of of one of my favorite soon to be trilogies, How to Train Your Dragon. <gasps> yes. Which uh, has already come out overseas, as I found what? out. Yeah, it's already out in Australia. What? Uh, it's coming out in England, uh, like next week, I think. Uh, but because of that, and because it's getting such amazing reception overseas, uh, Fandango is doing a deal right now where we can get tickets and see it three weeks early. So they're doing a what? screening, yeah, at our at our at our theater, at at a uh, Century City. They're doing a screening on Saturday, February second. Uh, so for people who who enjoy this franchise, I'd recommend you know, go. What time? I think like three in the afternoon. God damn it! Uh, that's a conversation for off, off the off air. Off air, off air. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I, I feel like people who listen to these kinds of podcasts also like to go see things early. So there you go. There, there's your little, there's your little hint. That is super exciting. I yeah. am very excited for that. Movie. Yeah, and I, I literally, as we were sitting down, I, I heard about it earlier, but I just got the email today that's like, we're holding a ticket for you from Fandango. <gasps> like, thanks, Fandango. We're oh. such good friends. Yay, Fandango. Um, now I'm not gonna try and find a segue. I got two pieces of Speaking Batman. Speaking things that fly. Oh, perfect, Batman. <laughs> uh, two things. One, I guess well, can't they can't fly because neither Toothless nor Batman can fly without help. No, it works. <laughs> they can only fly with gadgets. Yeah. It all comes together. Uh, I guess they've uh, given a green light to the Batwoman pilot. Okay. It's not, they haven't greened out the whole series, but we're at least going to get a pilot. Um, the CW-verse, which I'm I'm interested to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you watched the crossover. I watched the crossover. I thought Batwoman was not very well utilized. I think they kind of wrote her into a corner from the start by, like, connecting her a little bit too much to Bruce Wayne and having to justify why Batman and Bruce Wayne aren't around. They really like to do that in their in their <sighs> series, don't they? Yeah, and it... it, it Here's this mythical creature called yeah. Batman that we don't have the rights to, apparently. Right? Uh, it definitely was not as clunky as Titans, but it wasn't done great, and okay. Ruby Rose just felt a little bit flat. So I am curious to see what happens with it, but in general, that is a character that I really love, and I think she's still a good casting choice, so hopeful on that. Um, and the last bit of Batman news I have here was something that I'm actually kind of disappointed to say, which is they've announced the voice cast for the Hush adaptation. And it's not our boys? It looks like it's going to be set in the New 52-verse. Kind and of this, Obviously. But, like, I mean, I, they're doing that, too, with uh, the Death of Superman movies, which mm-hmm. I haven't seen the, the newer version of. It's pretty good, though. Yeah, it was a good part one. Um, but, I mean, I guess I'm just disappointed because Hush is such a great story, and imagine if it was... You know, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill coming back, but it's going to be like Jason O'Mara who does, he's like fine. He just, again, it's all flat. Like, I just find all the 50, new 52 DC first movie mm-hmm. things. Well, it's because they're, they're rushing it out. The, the problem with the new 52 animation is on, on one side, we get more content. I mean, we get yeah. two movies a year, but it's boring. Uh, yeah, but people, don't, people just want, things they don't they don't care about quality anymore but i, I mean quality's out the window chris i i i see what you're saying but i also disagree because it's, it's not it's not a it's not an opinion that i'm saying this is a fact <laughs> you can't disagree no, no. with facts you flat earther piece of shit <laughs> all right hey there are flat earthers all over the world yeah on top of it <laughs> not around it um no they they're it's on a production side, it's very smart what they're doing because they don't have to bring in a crew to reimagine. You, you never have to start from step one with any yeah. of these movies anymore. I know. I get it. But mm-hmm. it, they're just, those movies are generally pretty boring. Like, I don't know anyone who considers them some of the best of the direct 
to DVD films. Mm-mm. And so like, Hush is such an amazing storyline, and I'm just disappointed. So is the killing joke. I actually <laughs> don't think the killing joke is that good. Well, you're on your own island on that one. I mean, do you actually think it's that good? I love the killing joke, yeah. I think it's kind of meh. I, I mean, it has. I think it has the best, one of the best Joker quotes. I, no, I'm going to go out and say it is the best Joker quote. Which one? Is all it takes is one bad day. Yeah. That is, that is maybe the most iconic Joker moment in comics. Yeah, but it's just, I don't think the story is actually that good. I think it's, I think it's interesting. I, we're not here to talk about that. But I, I will fight you. <laughs> I will fight you another day on the killing joke. Can we like have a, like a, like a spoken debate though? Cause you box all the time. I'd get my ass handed to me. Well, I mean, I, I, I feel like this is a great time to implement the, the like, like boxing chess. It's, it's, what? Di- it's, do you not know boxing chess? What's boxing chess? Boxing chess is an amazing sport that that emerged a few years ago, where you, it's speed chess in the middle of a boxing fight. <laughs> so you do a three minute round, and then you have your minute or you have your thirty second uh, cool off, and in that time they bring in a chess board in the middle of the ring. You deglove and you play chess. You play speed chess for three minutes. You tap out, take the board out, put your gloves back on, and then go another round. And it's whoever wins either first wins. God damn it. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's fascinating. Of course that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But actually at, at uh, South by, South by Southwest, they do uh, have boxing debating. Because uh, I remember two, two YouTube like, personalities like, they used to is watch. It nerd, did it. It's like a nerd argument? Pretty much, yeah, pretty no, much are always. They, are they actually having a spoken debate while they're boxing? No, it, it's the same three, three and three. Oh, so okay. So you... you um, have your opening remarks, which are usually scripted. Okay. And then you put gloves on, do a three-minute round, and then do your rebuttals. <laughs> and then do another round, and then you have your final. Because it's, it's amateur boxing, so it's three rounds max. Yeah. Uh, so you have headgear on, so you'll be fine. Uh, so it's intro, rebuttal, and conclusion. And then you do round, round, round. Okay. All we, right. We can, we can, I'll sign us up. Wait, you're not now going to South by Southwest? Apparently. <laughs> I'm on board. Yeah. Fuck. If anyone else, like, I, it's such an awesome idea, and they have, like, awesome audiences and, and amazing debates go on there. If anyone, that goes, if anyone goes to South By, I highly recommend checking it out because I've heard it's just one of the most unique things you'll ever see. I, I think it's time. And if, it is it, all nerd debates. So if we do this, though, we have to, to dust off the classic Scooby-Doo bait. Which one? Is we, the one big one we had, like right at the beginning of the podcast. I don't, I don't, I don't remember what we were arguing about. I think I was trying to make the claim that only Scooby Doo Two is good in terms of the movies. Oh yeah, how dare you? <laughs> See, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Ready for a debate. Scooby Doo One is a classic. Uh huh. Sure. Don't so, you dare besmirch the name of the Doo. <laughs> I get. Yeah. Exactly. See, tap out. I'll get the gloves. Tapping out. Uh, all right, let's talk Batman. Let's talk Batman. Let's, let's finally get to Batman here. Um, so sneak peek. It's an interesting episode. It's. I was. Ex- it wasn't. What I was. When I when it started, I'm like, great. It's another fucking invisible villain. We've had a dozen of them at this point. Didn't yeah. We just have one in Beyond. Yeah, I mean, with uh, with Wally Watts when he was. Uh, yeah, telekinetically yeah, yeah. controlling mm-hmm. stuff at this school. So this is a little bit different. Maybe that's something else too. I can't quite remember. Um, yeah. So he. So we have a, an intangible villain, which is slightly new. Yeah, and he's not invisible. 
Right. Which is hard to tell at first because the whole idea is basically um, a TMZ style persona um, voiced by Michael McKean, but clearly doing some sort of weird Australian-ish yeah, accent. Yeah, I, I didn't... My first note on this is, what was that accent? Yeah, I'm not quite sure he was going for there. Um, yeah, Ian Peake. But yeah, he basically is getting all this impossible footage of things they shouldn't be seeing. So like Pax and Powers hitting on a girl. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe doing something more than hitting on her. It's a little weird. It's a little unclear. Um, i to remember some of the other ones. Oh, like some rock star who's getting illegal splicing done. Stuff of that nature. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, that's all like celebrity gossip. But then he decides he's also going to capture video of crime bosses who are squealing to the cops. Yeah. I don't really know why... Well, that I, matters I, to him. I wrote in my notes, I said, apparently everyone watches trashy news in the future, dot, dot, dot. I guess they're not too far off. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not very far off. No, this is actually pretty much spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't quite get why he started to do like the police investigation thing. It's because it's too. hot news. I guess because it's hot news. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, so unsurprisingly, when he does this, the people that he's ratting on get pissed off and try and attack him. And I think it's that, is it that point that he discovers who Batman is? No, no, no. Yo, you, you jumped like 15 minutes Did in the episode. I? Yeah. Uh, we got, we no- got a lot of story to get through, friend. My notes aren't very thorough. <laughs> uh, no, that's when Batman is first called. Uh, oh, wait. He... Because then... Uh, no, because I, what I really liked about this episode is it was, the, it, it was a Spider-Man episode. Is uh, He gets away from Batman the first time. And then Terry goes to school and talks to his teacher because his teacher's talking about physics. Oh, and he talks, and right. he's like, well, you know, all, if all, you know, molecules are apart from each other, why are solid things solid? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he says, that, well, there was one scientist that yeah, used to live in Gotham. there's always one scientist there's who one happened to work for Wayne Powers. And, yeah, uh, who believed in Viberspace. Oh, good old Viberspace. Yes. Uh, which is cool. I do want to bring up just because it's me and I have to. Mm-hmm. And I know I don't think any. I don't know if any of our listeners list or watch anime, but I'm going to talk about it anyway because I always do. All right, I'm just especially gonna, my favorite. I'm just going to settle in for a nap here. My so, Hero Academia. Go, uh, there we go. Uh, there, no, so there's a really cool villain or not villain. There's a really cool hero named La Million. Uh, Sorry, what now? La Million. Okay, but I think he goes by La Million as he should. Yeah. Um, who has the power of intangibility, but it's it's taken to the literal standpoint where if he activates it, his clothes fall off of him and he falls through the ground. Okay. I do want to talk about this, actually. Yes. Because what you're talking about is the ghost paradox. Yes. Yes. Which is that if you are, in fact, intangible, yeah, you would... Actually, you wouldn't even... Gravity wouldn't even have an effect on you. You would have no interaction with any other forces or objects whatsoever right like all of the the laws of physics we know them now would not apply to you Mm -hmm. you also uh could not see or talk or hear or breathe yes Mm -hmm. so la million so they bring that up with this hero which i love so what what happens to him then when he goes intangible uh so he can he's gotten so good at he's one of the the big three so he's the the number one hero at the school okay um so he can control which part of him goes intangible when um, okay, so that solves that problem. Yes, and when he turns, when he goes full tangible, he never, he's not stuck in anything. He just pops to the closest available space. 
Okay. Uh, which I think is, is really interesting. So he, he basically has uh, a form of teleportation. Oh, interesting. So what he does to fight... Wait, uh, the closest available space meaning a vacuum? No, just meaning like if he... Like open air. Yes, yeah. So he, what he does is he takes a running start and then activates his powers and goes through the ground using that speed he has to continue him moving forward since he's not affected by anything else. Yeah. Uh, and then the second he turns tangible... Uh, he has the momentum still of going forward, but he now pops out from the ground ab- above him. Okay. Uh, and so he he's kind of this like genius fight. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? He's like he's a you know a combat expert. Okay. Uh, where he can gauge distance very well and everything. So he pops out right in front or right behind his opponent. Mm. Um, what I love is one of his his signature move is one that I've never seen with like a. a a tangible kind of villain or character uh, where he uh, he charges at a person and then makes his arm intangible and pokes the person in the eye. Uh, and then just, he basically turns his tangibility on right in front of the person's face. So he's never like hurting them, but they are completely blocked of view. Yeah. And so he can get around them and find their weak, uh, find their weak spot. That's while they're completely disoriented. Very clever. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Like I, I pitch this show to you all the time. I know you don't like the art style. And, I watched and that an kind episode. Of I couldn't get into it. But they, they do such a unique job with all of their heroes and show. Because I mean, we, we in America are so used to how powers work mm-hmm. that you know when it goes to another country, they, they can think in a separate way of like, well, what if we do it this way or more realistic? Yeah, we just tell you like, oh, these things work. Don't worry about the actual like. Yeah ramifications of having these sort of powers. No, that is really clever. They addressed it because I had that note here, which is like, if you are incorporeal, you wouldn't be able to like push a button to move an elevator. You wouldn't be able to hold a video recorder to capture footage. You wouldn't be able to hear anything. Mm -hmm. Like it it doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, what I would have enjoyed if they were smart about it is if he had gloves Mm -hmm. and then like that part of him wasn't affected by the belt. Yeah. And so then it would make sense where he could punch and touch things. So he had like, if it was still, he was all glowy, but he had boots and gloves on. But I guess if they did that though, then like his, come, really his comeuppance balls. at the end wouldn't really pay off. Yeah. But even that doesn't really quite make sense. Cause why all of a sudden at the very end when he like, does he actually fall through the ground? Mm-hmm. It still doesn't really hold together. Yeah. But I, I guess the, but I guess it is a kid's show. It is a kid's <laughs> show. And the, the flawed concept it leaves, at least makes for an interesting story, which is what would Terry do if all of a sudden his secret might be revealed, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's fine. You know, we, we had this episode before cause I thought this was, this was going to, I mean, it is, it's a creeper sequel. What? From Batman, the animated series, the creeper. Yeah. But he didn't, he wasn't going to find out Bruce's identity. No, but he was a reporter that went places where he wasn't using his powers and what? And no, got, Creeper. Yes. No, the, the episode of the Creeper. Mm-hmm. Beware the Creeper. Yes. From the new Batman Adventures. Yes. No, he is doing an expose on the Joker. Mm-hmm. The Joker shows up and is all pissed off. Oh, knocks you're right. him I'm into sorry. the vet. I was, I was reading. I, he I'm, develops I'm, like the same powers, and then he kind of goes on his own like goofy crime spree, and he tries to hit on Harley, and like he and the Joker get into a brouhaha. You're right. I'm sorry. I was. I was. I had read his Wikipedia article, and I was okay remembering his his because we kind of had this with. Um, uh, the secrets, the strange secrets of Bruce Wayne. 
in the new Batman Adventures. Yes, with yeah, with Hugo Strange. Yes. Yeah, but I guess it's never been done exactly like this, mm-hmm. where the camera was left into the Batmobile, and so I guess the footage was wirelessly transmitted to Peak, and he saw not only Bruce inside the Batcave, but Terry, but Terry, and he quickly figured out who was who. Based which off. feels very uh, unprofessional of Terry. To just take his mask off in the Batcave? No, to not realize there's another signal coming from inside the Batwing. I mean, we're, we're going to have to run with the assumption there's not some sort of like sensor in place. Um, it's not like the Thunderbirds, the classic well, TV show, the we, Thunderbirds we from learned, the 60s. We learned in the next episode that any trace of electricity can be tracked by the, by the Batwing. We're just going to we're just gonna have to go with it, Cameron. No, Chris, this we're is where <laughs> I draw the line. Intangibility is Grab one. Grab a chessboard, Cameron. <laughs> Intangibility is one thing, but... Yeah. No, I mean, because this isn't the first time something's been stuck in the Batmobile that has caught that that has got into the Batcave. I feel like after Ink, they would be more careful. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. To maybe park it somewhere else (laughs) and have a door block it off. They don't like to think these things through. Bruce gave up on having contingencies a long time ago. Apparently. Yeah, he's just old and forgetful now. Mm hmm. Uh, but I mean, and also, also, Jesus, also ruthless. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the interesting things about this is that, you know, Bruce, I feel like Bruce kind of goes to a dark place, but almost not dark enough. So like, there's two things that that I found really push him. (laughs) No, hang on. Let me get there. Like there were two things that that was really interesting. One was, um, how terror reacts to seeing that his identity might be revealed. Mm -hmm. Um, so one, he tries to at least save Bruce. Which yeah. I thought was fitting, and I thought it was that fit the character was very noble that he goes back to Peak and he's like, "Look, Bruce has done so much this city; he doesn't deserve this. Like, leave him out of this. Expose me if you must." And of course, Peak doesn't care. Uh, but the second thing was is he has to tell his family that he's Batman because, for, for whatever reason, everyone in like all of Gotham is super excited about this. Like, even his mom, who at the beginning of the episode was like, "Don't watch this stuff; it's it's garbage." She decides that she's on board. And I guess I do kind of like her motivations. Like, eh, whatever. Why listen to me? Yeah. Like, well, what, I mean, what, what do I know? T- to be fair, if, if someone was coming out and being like, I'm just, just compare it to the, the Chris Jenner situation. The entire world was watching when he had a sex change. Yeah. The entire world. Okay, fine. And we knew who that was. Okay, fine. Now they said it's a masked celebrity that we've been that has been part of our lives since our parents were children. Okay. It's going to be unmasked. <sighs> fine. Yeah. People would I go concede. crazy about that. I can see. There was a secret fifth member of the Beatles that we're gonna announce soon. We're gonna announce tonight. I guess it's kind of like knowing who Deep Throat is. Yes. Or uh, although we know who that is, I forget Deep who it was. Toot. <laughs> yeah. Or um, or figuring out uh, who Carly Simon's "You're So Vain" is actually about. Yes. Apparently she did. Apparently it's about three people, and one of them is is Uncle Joey from Full House. No, that's Cheryl Crow. Oh, sorry. The, hmm. Cameron, there's there's a a sizable <laughs> sizable gap. From what was that song? Carly Simon and then yep. what Cheryl Crow's. I don't. I don't remember what that one is. You have to look that one up. But there's a big gap there. Also, I think it's embarrassing that Cheryl Crow dated David Coulier. I think it's embarrassing. Hey, hey, now, I think, hey now. I think it's embarrassing when anyone dates With David Coulier. With that puppetry skill. <laughs> Wait, puppetry skills? Is he a ventriloquist? Yeah, the whole second half of the series, uh, he has he has uh, the wood the woodchuck. 
I never watched that show. Hey, Chris, cut it out. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Want to smack you so bad right now. Is it made of wood? (laughs) I do not remember these classic, classic full house holes. I've gleefully erased them from my brain. Whatever was there. But, uh, no, I, okay, fine. I can see why we would care knowing that much. Um, but, yeah, so he, he tells his mom and brother, and they just laugh at him, which I thought was actually kind of a fun way of doing that beat. Like, uh, they just don't take it seriously. But at the same time, it's a fun way to dismiss the moment. But don't you think in real life they would actually take it kind of seriously? No. Really? I mean, think about it. Because he's a teenager. I mean, I guess because he's a teenager. He wants attention. I guess. I don't know. If he just, and like, this was written in the 90s. If, if they, and no one cared about teenagers in the 90s. If they thought about it. People cared. No people one cared about cared. teenagers in the 90s. They didn't hate them like they do now. Um, yeah. I mean, they've always hated them. I don't know. I was a teenager then. I don't care. But you think that mom would stop and think about it for a second of being like, well, hang on, actually. This does kind of explain a lot. This explains, like, the bad grades, the moodiness. He's constantly sleepy. He's always hanging out with that old man. It's a better answer than other things, I suppose. I to mean, explain the same behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's... it's uh, I'm trying to spin this to something funny, and I can't think of anything. Fuck it. I'm not even going to bother. Mm-hmm. The, the second thing that I thought was... Interesting was Bruce's reaction when um, basically the the footage is going to go out. And then right at the last minute for Pete can go on air live, he discovers that the the device he's been using that he stole from um, the scientist way back in the day, that device is basically leaving permanent damage on him. So he's been like having stomach issues all the way through. And then he looked down and realized like, oh my God, like his stomach has gone incorporeal. Mm -hmm. Um, The way I, what I kind of wish the way they handled that was, um, so we see him having like kind of stomach complications the whole mm-hmm. episode. Uh, I would have loved for him to take the pill, uh, take you know the whatever he was whatever pill he was taking, take a drink of water, and then you hear the pill hit the ground. Oh, and that would have been good. And he he sees that would have yeah. been really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because then all of his insides pop. <laughs> oh no, that's I what I had I for lunch today. <laughs> yeah, it just so he you know he basically he can't control it anymore and he like. He asked Bruce to come. And Bruce says no. Yeah, well, he, he asked Bruce to help him, and and the, the reporter said that he will not show the tape if, if Bruce helps him. Mm-hmm. He says he has all the reports from the old doctor, and then Bruce finds out that, like, oh, you were the last person he talked to. You stole his stuff, and you killed him. Yeah, so I'm just going to walk away. Yeah. but And I guess it's very un-Batman of him. Kind of, but for I, my, I just have a note here, and I'm, I'm not really sure why I was thinking this when I watched the episode, but I felt like Bruce needed to be more callous. I mean, he's already pretty callous. He's basically like, the man's going to basically live out the rest of his existence in a fate worse than death. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, nah, I don't care. But maybe I, just, I needed like another line from him or something like that, or like really drive it home. Or, or maybe I just needed Bruce to be more ruthless like right from the beginning in this whole situation. Not towards Terry, but towards this guy from the start. I don't know. I just thought Bruce felt weirdly passive through this whole thing. I mean, it, it felt like typical Bruce. He, he yeah, so. was kind of on the sidelines just doing his thing. I thought it was really interesting that, they, that Bruce didn't go there on his own accord. He went there because he was asked to go. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. just going to let it happen. Yeah. 
Do you think you would have liked it more if um, Bruce went on his own accord and then like walked into his dressing room and be like, I know it's having, I, and, and Bruce being typical Bruce, like knew the side effects. And he's like, I know you've been, you've been feeling something. And, and then he's like, yeah, can you help me? And he's like, I won't show the tape. And then I, I think what it would have been interesting if Bruce like locks the door, he's like, I don't have to wait for you to not talk about it. I just have to wait for you to fall. Maybe, maybe I needed some sort of line like that. And not him just walking away, but of him being like, no, there's nothing you can do. There's something I will do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. He basically like, yeah, this is a waiting game. Yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, in this game of chicken, I'm not going to lose. Maybe I just felt like the episode lacked like a final punch. Like it kind of wastes the very end. Well, cause there, there's no climactic battle. There's really no battle, but also there's no, there's no going back to, cause this whole city, as we just discussed, is waiting for this reveal to happen. And then it just gets postponed. And there's no sort of like fallout after that. There's no, like almost more like a scene later on where Terry goes back. He's like, Oh, like too bad. You guys will never find out. And like, Oh, now we know who Batman is. It's you, Terry. And they're like, they laugh at him or something. I don't know. I just, I feel like it needed some sort would, of like little scene at the end. I would have rather him been more distraught about it. Maybe that's it. Maybe I needed him to like be kind of aghast at what Bruce let happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, so if we go off your route where we see Terry go back home, um, and then, yeah, uh, his, his, his brother and his mom are like, catch any bad guys while you're out? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, he, and he just goes like, no, I missed him. Oh, and that, that yeah. would have been like, a, that been oh, good. shit, it, yeah. it, it hurts him. I would have liked that. That would have mm-hmm. been nice. Yeah, it just felt like something seemed a little off. Now, I was also trying to remember, intangibility technology was used somewhere in like Justice League or Justice League Unlimited, right? I think so. I mean, this, is, this is probably a question for, for Maddie. Um, because when I was reading the trivia for this episode, they acknowledged that they were, they basically said they were unclear when that research happened, given that we've seen intangibility technology mm-hmm. used before. I can't remember when specifically, um, but I think it would have had to been like justly or justly unlimited. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, there's a lot of technology that's missing from that era. That, I mean, that's boom true. tubes are gone. Um... Yeah, I guess they are. I don't think mm-hmm. we ever see a boom tube. Yeah. But I, I feel like there was some line about, like, an embargo. Oh, no, I'm thinking of um, uh, the Batman Superman Public Enemies comic book. Um, There's a, a reference to that where Lex Luthor is using boom tubes, and that's a banned technology. Anything from Apocalypse is banned. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a line like that in Batman Beyond somewhere. I don't know. Well, I mean, if we had that technology back then, you would. we're not going to go into it. It's going to talk ourselves into a wormhole. Yeah. Into a boom tube. Into a boom tube. Um, Just want to Zeta out of here, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so ending note. I think yeah, having having that line of just like, no, nah, I missed him. Yeah, I mean, that would have been. I think I that would have been a really good punch. And he like closes the door. Yeah, just just something to give it a little bit of weight mm-hmm. there at the end. No, because because it's it's again, it's Bruce is built to lose, but he doesn't. Yeah, Terry is not built to lose, but he does constantly. Mm, yeah, this is not the first person he's lost. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people or, or have died on his watch. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people have died. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. know. It was fine though. Yeah, but I definitely did prefer the second episode. The next episode, which week. is the most played out animation episode, certainly one of them, because it's it's the uh, the TV trope, as I discovered on the website TV Tropes, which yes. you already knew about. Yes, it's a Should great, great website. 
Um, it's called egg sitting. Mm -hmm. So it's basically the idea that uh, kids are in high school, they're teenagers, they need to be taught the consequences of having a family, a.k.a. getting someone pregnant, a.k.a. Yes. having Un sex. Unprotected sex. That's not necessarily true. Yeah, I guess. Accidents I mean, can still happen. 99.9%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how that all works. <laughs> but... Let me explain it. Yeah. I'm just gonna let's put the microphone to the side for a second. There are birds and there are bees. Yes, one of them stings you. Yes, and then there are storks. Yeah, to bring the babies. Mm -hmm. That's how that works, right? Uh, some of them are voiced by Alec Baldwin, and run a company. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot he was also in Storks. <laughs> he was also in Storks. Storks and the Boss Baby. Yes. Jesus Christ, Alec Baldwin. Sorry, excuse me. Academy Award nominated Boss Baby. Mm. Please give it its rightful title. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the Academy Award winning film, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so it's the egg trope of kids are assigned or paired off as couples, always hetero couples, of course. Except one. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's more than one, but one in my memory. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I'm talking well, about this episode specifically. Yes, 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 this yes. episode from 2001? Sure. 2000. I closed my computer, so you, so you are sole researcher now. Well. <laughs> As Shocking. usual. 2000. Okay. It's an episode from 2000 where uh, they're all hetero couples, which I guess makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they're assigned not just normal eggs, because this is the future. They're basically assigned like egg Tamagotchis, mm -hmm. practically, um, that have built-in computers that can record what's going on to them all the time. So yes. it basically just keeps track of whatever the baby's emotion is or based off of whether it's being comforted or if it's sleeping or being fed or if it's like falling off the side of a building. Quick, quick question for mm -hmm. you and for the audience. Do you know anyone that's done this? I don't. I have never seen this trope play. I mean, I also, you know, had the unique high school experience of going to an all guys Catholic school. This is true. We're having a, a duo, mare pa duo male pairing. Uh, while not frowned upon by my school, uh, but was also not, uh, not encouraged. Well, also... Think about your high school, Cameron. Yes. If your classmates were given a bunch of eggs and told, take care of these things, what do you think would happen? We would do our work. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure you would. I think, what do you think happened at my school? I mean, I tell you all the negative stories about my school, but we weren't just wild animals. But it's like a bunch of teenage boys. They're just going to be goofy about it. They're not going to take that seriously. Like, there, so, there'd be it's, a handful it's one, that would It's going to take, take one person to throw an egg that all of a sudden now everyone's going to get an egg thrown at them. No. Yes. No. Yes. We only did that with Silly I'm String I'm telling once. you what your childhood was like, Cameron. No, we only did that with Silly String and that was only once and I was the last day of school. We cocooned a teacher. <laughs> but that was neither here nor there. Okay. Did they know it was coming? He did not know. He was How did he react? That room smelled so bad. We we emptied eighteen cans of silly string on this man. 18? Eight, we How did you get him to sit that long? He just didn't care. <laughs> it was it was it was my last day of senior year, uh, and it was a teacher that not many people liked, uh, and so everyone in the class had a can, and then everyone in his morning class had a can outside the door. And the second they heard him say, all right, class dismissed, everyone ran in from the outside class and just went crazy, just emptying the can on him. See, I was expecting this to be a teacher you guys all liked. I mean, some people liked him. But, like, it seems like the vast majority did not. Like, this was an act of revenge. Yes. Oh, yes. This wasn't, like, a playful thing, like, oh, we love you so much. We're just going to give you a good ribbing by covering you in silly string. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a math teacher. Our math department was not the best. 
I learned more about how Zambonis work than geometry in my I mean, year of geometry. Zambonis are awesome. Yeah, they were, but not when you're trying to learn shapes. <laughs> I know the shape of a Zamboni, I can tell you that. It's a trapezoid. Yeah. A, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What else would you call it? A rectangle. No, because a rectangle has four right angles. And yeah. Zambonis are slightly angled. Are they? Yes. Okay. Look at look at goddamn I Zamboni. I told you my computer's closed. No research is happening on yeah. the side of the table. Yeah, it's a trapezoid. Okay. Because it's not a rhombus either. Because rhombus is yeah. Like, no, not, yeah, I, I, not, I know. I know. Sides. I know, Chris. Don't talk to me like I'm <laughs> stupid, Chris. Well, apparently you failed geometry. I did so. not fail because I got the Zamboni questions right. Ninety-five <laughs> percent of the final <laughs> exam was about Zambonis. You nailed mm. it. Yeah. Um, Okay, whatever. Maybe your class would have been comfortable with the eggs. But yeah, I've, I've never known anyone who's actually had this assignment. Yeah. But it has been... I mean, at in, worst, my school, the lacrosse team would use the eggs and just like pass it to each other th- with their, their their sticks. God, you went to such a white school. Yes. <laughs> That's coming from me. <laughs> yes, it's an all-male private Catholic school, Chris. In Texas. In Texas. Fair enough. Yes. But no, this... There was also... A, a, uh, a art museum. An art museum? Our school is also part art museum, yeah. Oh, I think you're talking about this. Was mm-hmm. it like some tax thing? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, we were part church, part art museum, part school. Gotta get those tax benefits. Oh, yeah. We had some smart people running that school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's smart enough to not give you guys a bunch of eggs. So Yeah. But this has been done everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, should, I, we, should I, we list them all now? I mean, there's a lot of them. Do you, do you have them all actually written out? I Off the top of my head, the ones that I remembered uh, were Danny Phantom, which was my favorite version of this. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, it's been split up into kind of three categories. The egg was the original version. Yeah. Then that kind of upgraded to a doll for some people. Yeah. And that turned into a sack of flour. And that's yeah. kind of the, the one we see most now, mm-hmm. I think, to simulate the weight of a baby. Um, so Danny Phantom had one of my favorite ones where Tucker becomes the class babysitter and uh, babysits every bag of flour except Danny's because Danny's stuck with Val. And at that time, they just learned that they're arch rivals. Which one was Val? Uh, Val was the black girl whose dad was fired from his job because a ghost that Danny didn't catch like ruined oh. the company. And so she teams up with Stal- uh, uh, yeah, Stalker. Yeah, yeah, the the ghost. Oh, uh, okay. I vaguely no, 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 not Stalker. They're, they're on Stalker's Island. She tem- she teams up with Vlad, Vlad Plasmius, uh, to get special ghost hunting gear. Wait a minute. Do they have like a romance at some point? Yeah, it was like a two episode romance. Oh, okay. Um, wait, what was the? Oh, Paulina. Paulina. I was trying to remember the name of Dragon. That. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So while while Tucker is babysitting all the all the bags of flour. He leaves the house, and his mom uh, makes a few dozen batches of cookies <laughs> using all of the baby flour, and I love that so much. Love it. Uh, the Kim Possible one is one of my favorites, where it's also a bag of flour, but on their missions, sim- similar setup to this one, on their missions, Ron continues to uh, either pop his bag or lose his bag of flour, so he, can use- he continues to buy more, renaming it as kind of the next of kin, so it's Saki 1 through Saki like 40. Uh, oh yeah, I read about this. Like he keeps using Roman numerals, but he doesn't know them, how they work. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so he fails the, cl- he fails the project because he accidentally brings a bag of sugar instead of a bag of flour. That's fantastic. Which I fucking love. Uh, but the other ones that I remembered off the top of my head 
American Dragon Jake Long does it. Hey Arnold does it, where Harold eats the egg because he's too hungry. Right. Uh, Pepper Ann does it. My gym partner is a monkey does it because they all hatch until like... Wait, I'm sorry. What now? Do you not know my gym partner is a monkey? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. It was the, a the depths, the depths of obscurity. My gym partner is a monkey. Monkey, monkey, monkey. I mean, this looks vaguely familiar. Yeah, yeah it, it's a uh, late 2000s uh, Cartoon Network. I'm going to guess 2007-ish. Let's just say you're right. It was around the time of Chowder, which is also a great underrated cartoon. Let's, let's Very well designed. 2005 too. to 2008. Okay. My God. So yeah, my gym partner is monkey because oh all the God. eggs hatch into like exotic birds. Uh, and then for live action, Ned's Declassified does it, where they have where where it's the the the, the two one, male couple. Yeah. yeah, the two male couple, uh, and their baby gets kidnapped by the by the bully, uh, and the the two are have to do his bidding. And every time they do a deed, he sends them a body part. Oh, my God. <laughs> my God. Uh, and then basically every Disney show did it. Yeah. Hannah I, Montana, Zach and Cody. I'm pretty sure Raven did it. I don't remember if Boy Meets World did it, but if it did. Boy Meets World did do it. Cause I, I, I didn't make a list, but I was looking at it based off of Western animation. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, live action. Uh, Buffy did it. So that means so that means Will Will Friedel had to do this trope three times in his acting career. Yep, pretty much. Boy Meets World, Kim Possible in this. Yeah, that '70s show did it. Mm-hmm. Um, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. What? Fucking weird. Eight Simple Rules. Um, yeah, Sweet Life. Castle. The Middle. Veronica Mars. Charmed. Um, there's so many. The Goldbergs. Big Bang Theory. Um, oh, I guess no, they did it on Girl Meets World. Maybe they didn't do it on Boy Meets World. That seems shocking to me. Yes, that seems like a very 90s trope. Yeah, it's very surprising. But yeah, it's been done so every, many times. Everywhere. Okay, so, but it's still so fun. So no, knowing how often it's been done and knowing that you, you have, because of course you would have your favorite egg-sitting tropes from cartoons, <laughs> how does this one hold up? I loved this one. I actually also had a lot of fun I with think it, this too. has the best humor of a Batman Beyond episode so far. It is really pretty damn funny. Um, I guess this is the only episode Bruce Tim ever let his little girl watch, like his his like young daughter watch, because okay. it's basically like you know it's actually properly a kids one. Also uh, written by Hillary J. Bader, who did a lot of the best episodes from BTOS New Batman Adventures in this. Okay, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because this this had so many like I feel like this is an episode where they just had no rules. Or it's like, yeah, just, you know. Yeah, th- there's a lot of, because, so on top of this whole plot thread about Terry having to take care of this baby because he's partnered up with Blade who wants nothing to do with it. Yes. And she just dumps it on him. And I'm, I was a little upset that she also got the A+. plus. I was hoping there was some, because. This is how group projects work, Cameron. Well, no, Someone does all the work. Well, in some of the episodes, there's a twist where you can actually see, like, what at what times your baby was the happiest mm-hmm. or most cared for. And then that kind of relates to, like, Oh, I see. Uh, and that's always like a secret from the teacher of like, oh, I can actually tell who took care of the baby better. I mean, so theoretically, this baby, these egg babies should be able to do that because yes. they have, you know, built in like accelerometers and recorders and all these other things. So as I, babies do, as all babies do, I would be wondering if that teacher, I'd be looking at things going like, why at like two o'clock in the morning? Was he going was this 180 baby, miles yeah, an hour? Was this baby having so much damn fun? Yeah. He's an insomniac. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Damn it's, early. it's pretty fun. But so on top of all that stuff's going on, uh, we also have um, Ma Mayhem going on Mother a Mayhem crime Mother Mayhem's a better name. Isn't it Ma Mayhem? I think it is, but I like Mother Mayhem better. Okay, fine. Thank you. 
We're going to have another debate about this. No, because it's, the cle- gloves, cause it's clearly a better name. I mean, yes, it is a better yeah. name. So with Mom Mayhem, uh, so it's her and her two idiot sons. Mm-hmm. And they're going on a crime spree because she's trying to recapture a set of ruby jewels. That I, I love that they gave her a backstory of yeah, why she's stealing these she, jewels. She's trying to get that these things adorable. back because she and their the pa, the, the dad of the two kids, that was the first crime spree that all of them went on. And, so, and she's like, oh, now that your father's gone, he's like, well, but dad's not gone. He just ran away with She smacks him. He's gone. Shut up. We're not talking about this. But she's, she's a romantic, that yeah. one. Um, and I was trying to figure out where, why I, um, the voice sounded familiar. And it's because the actress who played her was um, uh, Kathleen Freeman. And she played a very similar role in the Naked Gun 33 and a third, The Final Insult. Okay. Which is definitely the, the least of all the Naked Gun movies. But it's the same sort of thing. It's like she is like, a, I guess it's based off of a figure from the 30s called Kate Ma Barker. Um, who I guess may have actually just been a fictional character, like a myth. Um, okay, because there's also an anime character based off of that trope. Oh, really? Who? Yeah. Uh, Big Mama is one of the main villains in, is, is kind of the current villain in the One Piece arc. Oh, okay. Yeah, she, she's like the, the mother of all pirates. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, I don't think of Sticky Beard. From Codename Physics War? Yeah, I was thinking of like another Sticky like... Sticky Beard. I was thinking of like another large figure in Pirates. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but yeah, she's got her two idiot sons. Uh, one of them is voiced by Andy Dick. And the, the skinny one? Yeah, the skinny yeah, one, of course. Yeah, the like the, the nerdy one. And then the, the big guy was voiced by Mark Ralston. And he uh, was also the voice of Firefly in the new Batman Adventures. Was, was the voice of the mom all, not also... Um, who is um, the mom on Apocalypse in Justice League? Oh, Granny Goodness? Yes. No, that's voiced by Ed Asner. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? Good old Ed Asner. I actually met him once. Okay, because they they, they look similar. Yes, Granny Goodness does look a lot like Mom Mayhem. Mm -hmm. But yes, they got that whole thing. Like, the three of them are on this crime spree. They're driving around in what's basically like an El Camino with no wheels, which is kind of a fun nod. I also think it's interesting they have, like, that massive throne in the bed of the pickup part of it. Like, that's where she sits. Oh, yeah. It's like, there's two people in the cab, and she's sitting in this, like, massive throne. Well, she's not going to sit in the back seat. Well, there's no back seat. Exactly. But, like, when I saw that, I was like, is this, like, implying that she's too big to fit in the car? Which is also not true, because later on, she's the one driving. Mm -hmm. No, she's just too good to to sit up front. Yeah, I guess it just kind of sets up her status. Mm -hmm. There's, like, the two idiot sons who she's always bad-mouthing around. I mean, it's kind of even like Corella DeVille and Horace and Jasper a little bit. We see this a lot of times. Yeah. Like, this sort of like matriarch crime figure and her two inept sidekicks. But I don't know. She's fun, though. Hobo oh, well, 3. <laughs> so I'm not going to go into it. Wait, no. no there, there's four in Hobo 3. Yeah, there's four of them. And mm-hmm. it's, there's the dude. Like, the Eastern European dude is the leader. Oh, yeah, that's the, right. the woman's not the leader. Yeah, she's also inept. Yeah, they're all inept. They're all inept. Yeah, I've Alone. seen Home Alone three. I didn't all right? think you had. Yeah, I, I actually watched that a lot as a kid. Did you really? Yeah. Was uh, was it Alex Lind? Who's the actor? Who I, that's was, a that's a you question. I think so. He like he was in all those movies at the time. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to him? Uh, he got attacked by a child. It's horrifying, Cam. <laughs> You're a terrible person. Um, no, but this was this was pretty fun though. This is a great. I I was a little surprised by the ending because. Kind of the the twist at the end is uh, the baby 
on, on the mission to to capture Mother Mayhem and her Alex Linz. Alex D. Linz. He's yeah. in everything. Hang on. You, I know you were talking, but I don't care. I know. Well established. I'm the villain of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. He was also in, oh my God, so many things back in the day. He was in apparently Lois and Clark early on. Uh, Step by Step, The Cable Guy. One Fine Day. You ever seen One Fine Day? It's George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer. And they're both single parents with kids, one kid each. And they're like, they bump each other and they like keep bumping each other all day. It's like, oh, it's a neat, cute, sweet rom-com. I don't know. I liked it as a kid. Uh, am I allowed to talk now? No, no, not yet. Okay. Uh, um, he's the voice of Tarzan. He's was a young Tarzan. Um, what else is he in? He's in Bruno? Oh, I don't think it's the same Bruno. I think it's a different Bruno. Titan AE. All these favorite things of yours, Cameron. Nick Tunes, Matt Keeble's big move. That's uh, a fucking movie right there. <laughs> Have you seen Max Keeble's big movie? Yeah, apparently he voiced Arnold in two episodes of Hey Arnold. Was there a different voice actor for Hey Arnold? I think in the last season. 2002. Two episodes in 2002, he's listed as the voice of Hey Arnold. No, it might have been... Oh, no, I know exactly what two episodes I know exactly what two episodes they are. It's not another Arnold. It's they they have kind of the parallel universe episode. They what now? Yes. So Arnold was in love with the country girl. Yeah. Name I don't remember right now, like Lucy or something. I don't start with an L. Um and so he goes to her hometown where it's a parallel it's a parallel version of his hometown. Oh. Of, of, of New York. Or not New York. Lila? That sounds right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about mm-hmm. that. Uh, because I think he has a cousin that lives out there. Uh, and his cousin is like uh, is like the super popular one that Lila is in love with. And so he goes over there and then everyone is, is kind of like the reverse version of themselves. So Stinky is like the super rich one. And then the rich girl is kind of the country, it's kind of the country bumpkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good episode. Okay, I, that sounds vaguely familiar. I think I may have seen that. Mm-hmm. Also, I love that I tricked you into talking again. I know. I, c- I couldn't. I couldn't not couldn't talk about this. Hey, Arnold. I mean, Max Max Keeble's big move was hard <laughs> enough to not talk about because that's a fucking classic film. Never seen it. it. You don't. You shouldn't. It's garbage. It's a. Uh, uh, there's actually it's it's similar to a, a Hey Arnold episode. It's uh, Max Keeble is in fifth grade. Mm. Jo- uh, Josh Peck is in it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Max Keeble is about to graduate fifth grade, uh, and he works at the local animal shelter just around the corner of the school. But the school just bought that lot to expand. I think their football field because that's always oh, the plot. Oh, okay, of it. yeah, it's always familiar. the plot. Uh, and so he's doing everything he can to ruin the superintendent's visit, uh, and have like the most extreme last day of school ever. I love it. Mm-hmm. Classic, classic. There's classic a food fight line. scene, of course. Uh, there's a scene where animals get out in the school because it's classic. That that's just a movie of tropes, and I love it. Um, so as I was saying before, if I remember where I was, um, I don't. Uh huh. <laughs> so mean to you. Why am I so mean that's to fine. you? I mean, you have the power to edit around it. <laughs> 
That's true. I would never do that. Um, no, I was also trying to look it up because um, this this episode won an Emmy. Good. It deserved it. It had great writing. There was yeah. there was a there was a whole epi- there was a whole joke about um, Wizard of Oz, which I loved. Oh that, yeah, uh, Bruce was very Alfred esque in this episode. He was. Bruce was also having a good time this yeah. episode because I, I think even Bruce like everything about this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Like this is a ridiculous villain. She's on a ridiculous crusade. Terry, you're carrying around an egg instead of the Batmobile. Yeah, I, I also love uh, Bruce's like, why are you taking this on a mission? Like, can't your mom watch it? Mom said no. Can't yeah. your brother watch it? Brother said no. Well, you could. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not touching this thing. I don't you want to be the to most dangerous. I know you don't move from this chair, but somehow you'd be the most dangerous choice. He would absolutely be the worst possible option. <laughs> He'd come home and be cracked with the cane. Yeah. Like, I cried. Yeah. I, cried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, made, I made it stop crying. <laughs> Bruce, where's the baby? Just points to one of the <laughs> massive holes in the back cave. You can go get it. <laughs> I think it's still falling. I think he, he would just like put it in the microwave and shut the door and then go back to the back cave so you didn't have to hear it anymore. Yeah. Well, I feel like it'd be cute if... Oh, what I was talking about before is the, the twist at the end where um, Terry puts... Terry brings the egg on his last mission uh, and he accidentally puts it in the getaway car of, of Mother Mayhem. Oh, yeah. And when they finally find the baby, I would I expected her to not want to give it up. Oh, it like, okay. Of like, oh... It's like, I can raise it to be evil. Yeah. And then like the, like the dumb son be like, but mama, it's it's a it's a toy, and she's like I and she just like ignores it. It's like I remember when you two, because she even says the line yeah. of like it reminds me so much of when you two were little. And then she's like, no, get rid of it. Yeah, throw it off the back. <laughs> yeah, of it. that was a really fun moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I would have really liked where Terry had to fight, uh, but have to hold back because she's still holding the baby. Yeah, I I also think this is probably one of the best episodes that actually bridges his high school and crime fighting careers. Oh, absolutely. Together, because because that's what this that's what these episodes are best at. Yeah, because a lot of times they kind of they'll start in one place and veer towards the other. This one's kind of all constantly going on back and forth, and also it gives a lot of really cool little moments to the rest of the supporting characters too. It's like so Howie comes back and he's paired with Dana and he's like. Overly involved, overly protective, and so they don't do that well. He, he's the parent that y- we have Purell. If you don't mind washing your hands before yeah, we give you exactly. the baby, you gotta hold the baby carefully. Mm-hmm. And then I think the my last f- time we washed hands was 15 minutes ago. If you don't mind just doing one more do quick wash, uh, give that baby some oregano oil. Yeah. Um, I my favorite pairing though was Nelson and Max because Nelson takes care of the baby and Max just does his homework. And she's like, Yeah, we opted to go for the classic one breadwinner, one caretaker model. He's like, Nelson, you're okay with this? Like, yeah, beats algebra. Yeah, it's amazing. I love that. I was like, of course, that's what Max would do. Cause she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> she's the smart one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that was all just kind of a fun way to handle it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was great to see the little characters. Um, but yeah, the, the jokes, as I said before, there was a, uh, there was a, a ruby slipper joke. Oh, uh, yeah, where, that's a good joke. Uh, where, yeah, Terry's like, why is she only stealing rubies? And Bruce is like, well, maybe uh, was it maybe she's trying to make a pair of slippers. He goes, what? It's before your time. <laughs> it's somewhere in the background. Steve Rogers yells, I get that one. <laughs> I get it. I got it. I got it. Uh, what was the other great? What's the other one I really liked? Uh, there was one more of just like offhanded joke towards Bruce that I really loved. I don't think I wrote that one down. I don't know. 
I did love. The- oh, the God, the best, the best one mm. is when uh, he confronts Mother Gothel. This God damn it, Mom Mayhem, Mom Mayhem, <laughs> Mother Gothel is the is the mom from Tangled. You can tell what I worked mm. on today. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right, uh, Mother Mayhem. When she says, "Batman, isn't this getting old?" <laughs> oh yeah, uh, and he says, "Look who's talking." Yes, and she just smacks him with the <laughs> she smacks him with her purse. It's a good line. It's like, God damn it, Bruce. You can't just throw that much shade in an episode. That was Terry. I, well, I'm Bruce Tim. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. God, be specific with your Bruce's here. I know. Sorry. But I, I also love at the very end, then they get the reports back and Terry to the best because he's the only one who actually like, stimulated uh, the baby. And the teacher's like, oh, who knew you would have been such good father material? And then just because like Dana and all the women in the class like swooning over him. Yeah. And he's and just like... like fuck, I messed up, I messed up, I messed up, I messed up. Also, I mean, not that this is my area of expertise, but what high school girl is like looking like, oh, yeah, he's super attractive because he made excellent father material? I mean, it's, it's a long-term commitment game. I guess. Yeah. I did also like at the very high beginning. High school sweethearts are, are a big thing still. I know. I know some. Um, but I did like also when the um, they're first starting at the assignment and the teacher asked, like, oh, who here is planning on being a parent? And literally everyone in the room yeah, raises that, their that's hand. that's the lie. That's the ridiculous one. And then Terry does it, and Dana gives him this glare, and he's <clears> sheepishly <throat> just like, okay, fine. I guess me too. <laughs> I mean, if, if, we're, if it's about to get busy, then I guess I put my hand up. And actually, we don't know, canonically, we don't know if they ever have kids. That's fine. As far as I know, we don't know this. I don't care. Would they make good parents? No. I actually think Terry might. Because you think about it, he is able to... Has no father figure has no father figure to base his parenting style on. Well, but that's not entirely true. Like Bruce is a father figure of sorts, and his, that's who I want my dad to be. Well, a bit, but hang on, the rich standoffish type. Hang on, you can also look at what not to do. <laughs> it's true, right? But actually, the baby crying. Here's some money. Legitimately, think about this. Stop Just crying, please. Problem? Throw money at it. But legitimately, yeah. think about this. So Bruce, by the time he gets to Terry, has gone through the mistakes of Dick and Tim and Barbara. Because mm-hmm. he is still a father figure to her, even though he also sleeps with her. Let's not go there. Not important. But he has learned from his mistakes with I those will three. Be your father figure. <laughs> Who sings that? Who's, that's uh, it's Wham, man. Wham. <laughs> oh wait, it's come back to me. Yeah, okay. uh, George Michael. Yeah. Um, Put your tiny <laughs> hand in mine. I will be the one who loves you until Til the, the end, end of time. time. Ah, I didn't know it. Um, but he's learned from his mistakes. We see him actually doing right by Terry in a lot of ways that he didn't with all of his previous protégés, right? So he actually is kind of a decent-ish father figure to Terry this time around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also when he's not being, Terry can look at it like, okay, I don't want to be that kind of person. And Terry like sort of... I don't want to blow up. All right, I, yeah, I will go with my dad. Like Terry sort of actively both embraces and rejects who Bruce is because, you know, ultimately Dick rejects him. Um, and you know, Tim and him become estranged as well. Like Terry's the only one who kind of like toes that line a little bit. I think accepts Bruce for who he is rather than who he wanted him to be. So I think Terry actually would be a very good father. Yeah. Damn it. We'll see. Yeah. This is the hill I will die on Cameron. That's fine. I I will. I mean, I can't base it off of high schoolers. (laughs) Well, certainly not high schoolers. No, it's a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, But, But the question is, would Dana be a good mother? Yeah. I think so. She's very considerate. She's caring. Yeah. 
She's got a mind of her own too. She's independent. Yeah, she's she's in the background enough that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not particularly good. <laughs> then we need to give her more to do. Uh, any other thoughts on this? Uh, I think that's it. Okay. I love this trope so much. I know, and this was a pretty good version of it. Actually, the. Uh, the TV oh, Tropes the, page has a photo from this episode at the top it does. of this. Yeah, I'm sure that was fun. Uh, there, was one, there was one thing that I wish the episode had, mm. uh, which was uh, if, if they gave Terry a baby on board sticker and he put it on the Batwing. That would have been fun. That would have been pretty amusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, before we get into... Um, oh, oh, sorry. sorry there's oh, one, there's one other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I really like the, how the baby acted as his, as his like, second pair of eyes. And whenever he was about to be attacked oh, behind, yeah. the baby would react like, first. Ooh. Yeah. yeah Which, really oh, wait, that. Hang on. that means that the baby can see. Can yeah. see. Oh, yeah. I thought about that. They have to destroy the baby. Yeah. They just had an episode about yeah. the dangers <laughs> of surveillance equipment inside the Batmobile. Yeah. He's got he's to break it. He, he had to turn it in first. And then he's going to destroy all the eggs so it's not suspicious. He's got to destroy the egg. He's got to destroy all the other eggs. He's got to wipe the data and kill the teacher. She may, have, she may have seen something. Yeah, probably. Yeah, exactly. I don't think, I don't, do we see this teacher again? No, we don't. Yeah. I think Bruce just slapped an intangibility belt on her and let her go. Yeah. Monster. And um, this is a father. <laughs> we, uh, we don't really have any um, notes from friends this week, but I do want to throw a shout out to Paul Hill because he's been posting some really amazing stuff. He, he just posted a sketch that he did of Jack Nicholson's Joker. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that one. It's really, don't really good. Um, but he posted that, and then he also posted the uh, the final version of his uh, Riddler that he did, his animated series Riddler, which was actually a commission from John Glover. So he had posted something else, or Riddler, earlier on in the year and tagged John Glover, and John Glover responded. He's like, yeah, I'd love to get a commission. He finally posted it out there. It looks gorgeous. Like, Susan Eisenberg, who's uh, the voice of Wonder Woman, like other people, too, like chiming in and uh, just want to give him a shout-out because that's awesome work and also... Exciting to see him getting recognition from some of his heroes, some of yeah. all of our heroes, which <clears throat> yeah, is pretty that's cool. Yeah, so cool. So, Congratulations. Yeah, right on, buddy. Um, but yeah, Cameron, what are your plugs this week, buddy? What are my plugs this week? That's a great question. Uh, I have I have a I have a double dose of Felicity Jones this week. I did not Ooh. realize I, I watched so much of her. Well, I do love me some Felicity Jones. Yeah, uh, I saw I saw the film that you talked about a while ago. Oh yes, uh, I saw on the basis of sex the mm-hmm. other day. Uh, which is great. It, it it's is such a good. It's it's a fun movie. Yeah. So it's the the film about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her early career. Yes. Not not to be confused with R R B G or R G B. Yes. R G B the color scheme. R B G the documentary, and then now on the basis of sex. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Three very different but slightly related concepts. Yes. Uh, yeah, I used to have to do Google alerts for the phrase RBG, and I cannot tell you how many people mistype RGB when that's what they're going for. Yeah. Oh, it's a, yeah. It's a lot. I'm sure. It's a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a very, it's a very fun movie. It is, uh, yeah. Army Hammer kind of accidentally steals the show. Yeah, which is weird to say that about a movie about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but, and I knew this mostly from the documentary, but you know, she's always been a very serious person. She definitely has a sense of humor. Like you see a lot in interviews now. Yeah. Um, but you know, her husband, Marty was always much more like the charming, personable, goofy, lighthearted one. And Mm -hmm. like, that's kind of why they work so well. She was always a lot more serious. And, um, just, so apparently Marty Ginsburg, the person was super charming. And so they throw in army hammer who is not only charming, but a gorgeous. Yeah. Oh yeah. Always. And, um, no, he does like he, it's, he's really good in this. Mm hmm. Uh, and then the second film that I watched, it, it's a bit older. I think it came out 2011-ish. 
Uh, it's a film called Like Crazy, mm-hmm. um, which I had a friend recommend to me uh, because she uh, had, had has become pretty good friends with the, the writer-director, Drake Dormus. Okay. Um, but it, it's a very interesting, real film. It, it gave me a lot of feeling of like melancholy watching it. Yeah, because um, it's like it's a couple. I, mean, I haven't seen it, but it's like a yeah, couple. Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a couple from college. Uh, it's, it's Anton Yelchin and Felicity yes, Jones, right? Yes, the the late great Anton Yelchin, oh. uh, who was just amazing. He's such a. It always it's always so sad to see him because he's such a good actor. He's he's so good. I mean, I mm-hmm. I think he would have had an incredible career. If he, yeah, he got the chance. Uh, and so him and Felicity Jones have a very passionate college relationship, but she is only. Uh, her visa only works for... She has a college visa. Mm-hmm. So the second she graduates, she has to go back to England. Uh, but she, you know, is so uh, is so enthralled by the passion of being together that she uh, skips out on updating her visa or, or she stays in the States longer mm-hmm. than her... After her visa is expired. And it causes a lot of problems trying to get her net... Her work visa after where it keeps getting denied. Oh, okay. And so it's this... It's this couple trying to maintain long distance with just roadblock after roadblock hits oh my God, them. Yeah. Uh, and then J-Law's in it. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is there. Yeah. Uh, is kind of the the side mistress. And it's kind of like... The side mistress? Really? What? One, I don't think she's the side mistress. Just the mistress, sorry. Or just another love interest. No, because she he cheats on her. Okay. Yeah, so that usually pertains mistress. Okay, but he has a main mistress and a side mistress. No, no, she's just she's just the mistress. Okay, uh, but both of them kind of uh, start to develop trust issues by being so far away from each other. They try and not date, and they date yeah. again. I, mean, I don't want to explain the whole movie. Right. It, it's a very like it's a very real movie. Yeah, and those are kind of hard, especially like real romance films are kind of hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, uh, not everything is a happy ending, and this one definitely does not. But it's if if you're in the mood for that kind of film, I mean, it's a romantic drama. Uh, if you're in the mood for that kind of thing, then then check it out. It's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in LA, you will recognize the entire film. Yay! Yeah, because uh, he lives in LA. I figured. Yeah, uh, but yeah, th- those are my those would be my two plugs. Uh, what about you? What have you been watching, listening, reading? Uh, I've been trying to get caught up on some stuff that I missed this year, so I watched Isle of Dogs. Yes, I didn't love it. I was sad to say. Okay. I think it's it's good. Now, I, I think I've talked about this before. Well, I talked about this, of course, in the review podcast. I haven't seen most of Wes Anderson's work, mm-hmm. but I love The Grand Budapest Hotel. I love yes. that movie so much. It's one of my favorites. Um, and what I've heard across the board is it's kind of like peak Wes Anderson, that it's his best movie. And this just it felt a little bit flat. Um, I don't know. It just didn't have kind of like the sparkle or the momentum, I felt like, of Grand Budapest or just quite the charm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that being said, it, it looks gorgeous because it's all stop motion. How, how do you compare it to, have you seen Mr. Fox? I have not seen the fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay. So I cannot compare it. Well. Yep. Great. That's great. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. I think if you like Wes Anderson, it's worth watching. Um, and I, I mean, I think if you like just animation too and like stop motion, it, it's worth watching. But yeah, it's, it's a little just kind of meh. But it's, it's, got some, it's got some fun little things to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and amazing voice casting. Yes. It's kind of every... Fun voice. Everybody's is. in that movie. Yeah. Like part of the fun of the movie is just trying to figure out like who is. Well, do you, who. do you remember the trailer? Oh and yeah, then, it's and just the last thirty seconds of the trailer. Is just like he's in it. He's in it. He's in it. These five people are in it. These ten people are in it. These yeah. thirty people are in this movie. These fifty people are in like, this movie. Can there, you believe it? There are so many people in this movie that 
Yoko Ono is in it, and she has maybe like two lines, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, but no, it's an incredible voice cast, and they do a really good job. Yes. Um, so that's one of them. And then I actually went and saw Wicked. You did as uh, the stage Finally. show. I've never seen it somehow. I just I I never had a chance to, and I went um, over the weekend, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's so so good. Um, I thought I didn't know any of the songs, but I'd actually heard popular because I go to drag brunches and. It's a very popular song there, coincidentally. It's a great song. The cast was amazing. So in LA, we had uh, the longest running, what's her name? Elphaba. Thank you. Elphaba mm-hmm. uh, from Broadway. She came out here and then yes. uh, our- Also referred to as Elphaba because- Elphaba, Elphaba, depends on your lisp. No, because Elsa and Oh, Elphaba oh right, was, Adina Menzel. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, to clarify, it was not Adina Menzel, which <laughs> would have been amazing. Um, but no, she was really good, as was Glinda slash Galinda- just a really funny show, amazing songs. Production mm-hmm. value was incredible. I was really, really impressed by it. I love the theater, um, and I never get to go often enough, so I, I really, really quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, and the last plug I have is also slash a shout-out to our good friend, listener, and occasional guest, Vasilius. I have started reading The Hobbit. Ah. Yes. Yay. Uh, I've had this sitting on my shelf for... I don't know, probably five years, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came to like New Year's Day. I had finished my last book. I was figuring out what I was going to start off with next. I'm like, you know what? Let's give these a go. Um, Have you read The Hobbit before? No, I've never read any of them. I've read The Hobbit. You've read a book? I've read The Hobbit. I've read two books on this podcast, on this episode. Which two books? The Hobbit and... Uh, Kite Runner. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. The things we learn about you. Yeah. Still surprising. I know. After all yeah, this time. In, in middle school, we had the best English teacher named Miss Watts, uh, where after The Hobbit, after we finished reading The Hobbit for class, uh, we had a picnic where everyone, everyone was given a character at random, mm-hmm. uh, and you had to dress up in character, and then the, the challenge was you had to... Uh, explain who you are without saying your name okay. or the name of anyone else that's been, that hasn't been mentioned yet. Okay. And guess who I got? Gandalf. Bilbo. You really? Yeah. So I was the first to go. So you're just like, I'm the main guy. I'm the main guy. Uh, I got a sword. Named, I got a sword named Sting. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a I discover song. a ring. I, I had a song written about me by Leonard Nimoy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, the greatest little hobbit of them all. It's a great song. Thank you for that. Of course. Uh, That's my plug. It's just the Bill just, Baggins just song. Just Ballad but, of Bill Baggins. It's so good. Um, no, I mean, I've been you know, enjoying it so far. It's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit slow, but not as slow as it could be considering when it was written. Yes. Um, but no, it's, it's fun. I've been, I've been liking it. So Yeah, it's I, a great... I mean, I love that book. Yeah. I mean, I'm reading it in like half pages at a time because mm-hmm. I fall asleep immediately when I start to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I've been liking it. Good. It's pretty good. So um, I think we're good. I think we did it. I think we're set. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of fake energy we exhausted. I know. Somehow it became real energy at one point. You you absorbed all my energy. Oh, great. Now I'm not going to fall asleep. Good. God damn it. Edit. It's fine. I still got to edit this fucker. Exactly. You have 12 hours. He means it, too. I do. I do mean it. Um, less than 12 hours. Uh, but yes, uh, I, I am very curious, legitimately, if you're listening to this, and if you know somebody who has ever had to do the egg-sitting yes. exercise in school, you must... Write to us and let us know. And to do so, we are at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Damn right. I really, really want to know. Me too. Yeah. Please tell us your stories. And if you don't, make up a story. Just make, a, make one up. Because <laughs> I love these stories so much. So good. Uh, and then I am personally at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, you are. Uh, if you want to see my art, which will be updating soon, 
You can find that uh, at Cameron.Dexter on Instagram. If you want to see my face and all my Disney adventures and sometimes other adventures, you can find that at CamDexter underscore adventures. Boom. Boom. We did it. Just like we rehearsed. Yep. And uh, yeah, so we're going to be doing just normal two Batman Beyond episodes a week. Uh, going forward and also look oh, forward to... Oh, I could have to... plugged Young Justice. Whatever. It's not important. Oh, but we'll get... Okay, so that's worth acknowledging. We're going to be doing... Uh, we already recorded a bonus episode slash crossover for Into the Spider-Verse. Which will be coming out later this week. Yes, we'll be coming to you very shortly. Uh, and then we will be doing Young Justice. We will not be doing it week to week because that was exhausting. Mm-hmm. We will most likely do a season one, season two like recap and then probably maybe the end of the season three we'll talk about it as well yes um but or yeah. the mid-season because it looks like is there a mid-season finale yeah like because it looks break? like okay. they're gonna pause before doom patrol starts okay so i think young justice is gonna go until like the first week of february week off and then doom patrol is gonna start okay all right well in that case mid-season we, three we will also get to it once i have time to catch up on about 50, 40, 40 episodes. 40 episodes. So. I'm, I'm at 12 right now. Oh, so you only have like 36 left? Yeah, no problem. I'll just squeeze those out real fast. I did it. I know. Well, yeah, you have. You actually watch TV all day. Shut up. <laughs> Don't I, let them know my secrets. I have like, like 33 minutes a day. <laughs> That's a lot to watch. Mm. I will do it as fast as I possibly can. Yes. Um, but until then, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye.